0: This is Jim Fleming. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to find out more about Steward Heights or more about our class, or if you'd like to leave us some feedback, you can do so at teachings.jim314.com. Enjoy the lesson. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. If you've got your Bibles, open up to Leviticus 23. And while you're getting there, um, talk a little bit about what we did last week. So last week we looked at the the Jewish calendar, uh, and we talked about that it is a lunisolar calendar. So it's got aspects of the moon and the phases of the moon to let the Jewish people know when to kick off different holidays. <coughs> Excuse me. It is also a uh, a calendar that's based on the sun. So certain seasons need to happen at the same time each year. Otherwise, you end up with Christmas in July, literally, which is a problem. So we we talked through a couple of the the math challenges last week of, you know, the the lunar cycle is 28, 29 days. And if you only base your calendar on the lunar cycle, you're going to be off about 11 days a year. And if you do that for a few years in a row, you're going to end up with Christmas in July. So one of the things that the Jews did is they instituted what's called a leap month. So Seven times, seven times, seven times, every 19 years they would throw in a leap month and that keeps the calendar exactly where it's supposed to be. It's very, very accurate at that point. So that was kind of last week. And we, we looked at last week that even though the Jewish calendar is obviously looking forward, it is also looking backwards. So these These feasts and festivals and holidays that the Jews look at are all reminders of something that has happened in the past. So today, we're going to look at what those things are. And then next week, we're going to look at how Jesus fulfills all of that. And we see that all of those things are really ultimately about Him and His work throughout all time. So I will tell you, your first blank is Leviticus 23. If you want to understand the entire history of mankind, you can do it in Leviticus 23, which is an odd place to understand the entire history of mankind. Because you read through this and you're like, I missed it. Yep, it's okay. We will break that down next week and show how it really is the whole story of redemption in that one chapter. All right, so on the front of your handout, you've got two different graphics. So the, the graphic at the top... Last week we talked about the, the Jewish calendar is very circular. Uh, it is not straight lines, it is not uh, grid-like, it is very circular. So the, the graphic that you're looking at there, um, the, the black font, uh, I'm sorry, the, the white font and the black background are our Gregorian calendar months, and then that next ring out, that, that outside ring, are the Jewish calendar months. So it starts with Nisan and Iyar and Sivan and Tammuz and Av, and all the way around. And what you're looking at here is that that our months and their months don't line up exactly, and that's okay. Which is why some holidays their celebration will occur in November, some holidays their celebration will occur in December for us. It can can alternate back and forth, and then when you throw the leap month in, it gets off a little bit more. So. Their first month of the year is Nisan. Um, That's when Passover happens and then Unleavened Bread and the second Passover and then weeks. That's kind of the the first quarter of their year. That second quarter, no major holidays in Leviticus 23. And then that third quarter starts off trumpets, atonements, tabernacles. Uh, And then what you'll see is that we won't talk about the last great day, Hanukkah, or Purim today. Because those were all added after Leviticus 23, significantly after. So Purim is uh, Esther's deliverance. Uh, God's delivering the people through Esther. Hanukkah, anybody know where Hanukkah's from? Say, I heard it, the the Maccabees, yes, the Maccabees. So these are all things that happened significantly after uh, Moses gave the Old Testament law. So the Jews added more things to it. So I want to make sure that we understand a couple of things, is that when you see a Jewish calendar today, it does not necessarily tie back 100% as far as the events on that calendar to the things that are described in Scripture. It will have those things. It will also have a whole lot more because the Jews are very, very good at adding and adding and adding and adding. And if you want biblical examples of this, when Jesus showed up on the scene, the Jews had added so much to the Old Testament law. They had the the, the Old Testament law and then the, their version of their early church father's commentaries on that and then the interpretations of that and then the commentaries on that. And if you were a good rabbi, you were expected to be familiar with not just the text of the Old Testament but all those commentaries and, and interpretations. And you would have an interpretation of all of those and that was called your yoke. So when Jesus shows up and he says, my yoke is easy, what he is saying is, I am setting you free from all this other stuff that has been bundled together with the law. So some of you, it's Christmas time, some of you have gotten or will get computers for Christmas. And when you start that thing up for the very first time, you will notice that there's all kinds of stuff bundled together with it that you will want to delete because it will make it run very, very slow. That is what had happened to the Old Testament law, is that all this stuff had been added on and added on and added on, and Jesus came and said, we're uninstalling all that stuff, because it's really about something else. So um, that was good. I've got to work. None of that was in the notes, but that's where we are today. All right. So, so when we read through the descriptions in Leviticus 23 and looking at these calendars, I want you to remember that, that everybody, everybody, everybody was a farmer. Everybody was, if you weren't a farmer, you were in some occupation that supported the farming industry because it was all about agriculture. So when you, when you read through uh, this feast and this feast and this feast at this time of year, and this, it's all centered around the farming and the crops. So, so that's that first graphic. That second graphic, the one with the blue and the green and the yellow, uh, goes into a little more of the detail about the seasons um, and specific days that things occur. So again, at the very top on the right-hand side, uh, you'll see the 14 under uh, Nisan, that's the Passover, that very top one. Uh, So if if you've gotten to Leviticus 23, we'll start in the first couple verses there, and we'll get going with today's lesson. So Leviticus 23, verses 1 and 2, And the Lord spake to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, The feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. Anybody have a different translation than Convocations. Everybody has convocations? Holy what? Assembly, Assembly, yeah. We are going to get together, right? And these are feasts. So we're going to get together and do what? Eat. Yes, this is good, right? And to get together, these are my feasts. These are my feasts. So the first one that he starts with is not one that we would typically consider a feast, but it's... Uh, The Sabbath. And this happens every single week. So Leviticus 23.3. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation or a holy assembly. You shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. Now, a lot of times when Sabbath is translated into English, it's translated as the word rest. A better word is cease. C-E-A-S-E. That's your blank. A better word is cease. And and it's not just, I'm going to, I'm going to stop and freeze and not move. It is I am intentionally stopping work to rest. I'm intentionally stopping work to rest. So your next blank here, it's meant as an actively abstaining from work in order to do something else. So I'm actively abstaining. So let's think about this concept for a second. So if you wanted to actively abstain from work for a whole day, is there any preparation involved in that? Yes, there's a lot of work involved with that, yes. So, so God built into their calendar preparation and work to get ready to rest. It was that important. And it happened every single week. And you guys know this, right? We're in the middle of December. This is a busy month. Can I get a witness? It's a crazy busy month. How many of you would like a couple days just to rest? Be very helpful. So God baked it into the calendar that one day a week, rest. Because we get tired. We get run down. This is who we are. He gave us this example in Genesis uh, 1. On the seventh day, he rested from his work. So uh, I think a good question to ask periodically is how often do I purposefully cease from work? Now, I'm not a believer in the idea that the New, the New Testament Christian is under the law in any way, shape, or form. In any way, shape, or form. Jesus came to set us free from the law. We are not under condemnation. We are not under bondage. Uh, we are not, I, I do not, but I think Colossians 2 is very clear that we do not have to keep the Sabbath. We do not have to have an entire full day set aside to do that. However, the principle of unplug once in a while is very, very healthy. It is a very healthy thing. So, so that's the first one, and it's going to happen every single week. Every single week, every single week, every single week. So when God communicates in the Bible, where does he put the most important message? The very start. The very start. So when we talk about all of these feasts, there are like all of the Jewish rabbis and scholars will say, Sabbath is the most important one of them all. Because it is what God started with. It is the one that happens most often. Dave. He also emphasized that by repeating. Yes. And this repeats every Yes. Day. How many times is Sabbath mentioned in the Old Testament? You need a comma. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a lot. An awful, awful lot. So Sabbath is the first one up. So next is the Passover. And this is Leviticus uh, 23, verses 4 and 5. So somebody read this one for me. Verses 4 and 5. <clears throat> You got it? Go for it.
1: These are the appointed times of the Lord, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the times appointed for them. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at twilight, is the Lord's Passover.
0: So what month? And according to your handy-dandy little calendar, what month is that? Nisan. Nisan, right? So in the 14th day of the month of Nisan, we do what? We look back. Right. We're going to look back. And we're going to remember deliverance from who? The Egyptians. Because the people were enslaved to the Egyptians, and God set them free. So you guys know this story, right? The God's people goes into bondage to the Egyptians. They're there how long? 400 years. So everybody that's alive has forgotten what freedom was like. Everybody that was alive that knew anybody before them had forgotten what freedom was like. It was slavery and bondage only. That's what it was. And through a series of plagues, the first nine hardened Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh got angry and angrier and angrier. And the tenth one was what? death of the firstborn right that that god said if you do this with blood if you put it on the sides of the door and the top of the door and you do it the right way and it's it's got to be this kind of blood and it's got to be applied with this kind of a bush and it's got to you got to go inside at this point in time if you do those things the death angel will pass over your house and will not kill the firstborn that sounds like something we should pay attention to right when you got those directions you went oh what was the penalty again I think I'm gonna do that. And, and when I was a child, I was taught speeding as an example. So if the penalty for speeding was when the police officer pulled you over, he put a gun to your head and pulled the trigger, how many of us would speed? Oh, I'm gonna go 10, 15 under, just to make sure, right? I'm gonna do whatever I can do to make sure nobody could misinterpret. When I, I may walk, you know? Walking, walking sounds awesome, right? I'm going to make sure I get this right because the penalty is so bad. So what they do? They made sure they got it right because the penalty was so bad. And what did the Egyptians do? They didn't do anything. And firstborns were slaughtered. So this is a remembrance that you were in bondage and God brought you out. So once a year, on the first month of the year, we're going to remember. And we're going to remember with What? Eating, yes. All right, this is good. So when you sit down at your holidays and you feast, good, have a feast. This is is what God is describing in His Word. We're going to talk a lot about food today, a lot about food today. All right, so deliverance of, of the Israelites from the Egyptians from the Egyptians. And we're going to talk a lot more about Passover next week. So the next one is uh, unleavened bread. And in some of your, your Bible translations, it may group these two together, uh, Passover and unleavened bread, but it, it's, it's really distinct things. So verse, uh, verses 6 through 8, and on the 15th day of the same month, so what month are we in? Nisan. On the 15th day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread to the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. Y'all ever eaten unleavened bread? Crackers. Seven days of crackers. you going to want something else after seven days? Water. Yes, a lot of water, right? <laughs> yeah. That was good. All right, that was really good. I didn't think about that, but yes, you, you do. That's exactly right. you going to want something other than crackers. So on the first day, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. So it's special. But you shall, op- op- you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord for seven days. Those things are going to be burning for seven days. The seventh day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. Now, in Bible times, leaven represented what? Sin. Leaven represented sin. So, this is an opportunity. The ways the Jews interpret this today is they go and they find the leaven in their homes and they get rid of it. And this is not a, oh, that bag's got some in it. It is a thorough, ridiculously crazy, deep cleaning of their home. Because if there's leaven present when they go through and have this feast at the end, there's a problem. They have not done, according to their interpretation, their bolt-ons, their add-ons, what God has told them to do in the Scripture. So, focus on eating unleavened bread lasted for seven days. So, the next one is the first fruits. So, verses 9 through 14. Somebody read that for me, 9 through 14. <clears throat> yes. Hey, Tim. Good to see you this morning. <laughs>
2: Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, when you enter the land which I am going to give you, give to you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring in the sheaf of the first fruit. Now what's
0: a sheaf? Because it's not a word that I use a lot in my job. It's like a bundle, right? It's, it's a group of, um, it's a collection of harvest that has been banded together. So it's a sheaf. Cool. Yeah, exactly. That was my thought too. I was like, all right, great. What do we do with the sheaf?
2: Sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord. What?
0: He shall do what? Wave. Wave? What does wave mean? (laughs) We shall wave. So we've bundled up fruit and we're waving it. You know why? Because God said to do it. (laughs) He said to do it that way. He said to bring it to the priest and let the priest wave it before the Lord. All right.
2: He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord for you to be accepted on the day after the Sabbath the priest the priest shall wave it. Now on the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb one year old without defect for a burnt offering to the Lord. Its grain offering shall be then two tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, an offering by fire to the Lord for a soothing aroma, with its drink offering. A fourth of a hen of wine.
0: So, this is the study on the Jewish holidays, not the Jewish weights and measures. So, I'm not going to go into an ephah and a hin. So, all right, keep going.
2: Until the same day, until you have brought in the offering of your God, you shall eat neither bread nor roasted grain nor new growth. It is to be a perpetual statute throughout your generations in all your dwelling places.
0: Okay. So, we've got like a whole 30 challenge going on here, right? No bread or grains? So you thought it was a new thing. It's really not a new thing at all. It's like a really, really old thing. So who is this command given to? The the Jews. The children of Israel, right? Okay. So how many of them were there? A lot. And this is a lot of waving. This is a lot of work on the priest. This is why you didn't just need one priest. Some of you are—you are, have jobs where uh, you don't necessarily need as many people as you have in your organization every single day, but you staff up because on those days, you need a whole lot of people. Right? Retail is like this sometimes. You, you, you see people staff up and have a lot of people. The priesthood, you didn't necessarily need every single one of those priests every single day of the year, but you needed them on the feast days because here, there is so much waving to be done. You've got to inspect and make sure this is actually... The right kind of fruit. you got to ask the question, is this the first fruit? you got to make sure this is a, the right kind of lamb. you got to make sure it's killed the right way. It, there's a lot of work and preparation that goes into this. So uh, at the end of this seven days of unleavened bread is the feast of the first fruit. So you've eaten um, unleavened bread for seven days, right? And then you skip grain for a while. And then the, the blank here for your handout is the feast. This is the feast for acknowledging the fertility of the land, The fertility of the land. Because what does your kid see when the priest is waving the offering? Your kid sees this, right? Your kid sees that there's a connection between what God gave us first and our acknowledgement and waving it to Him. This is burning something into their, their minds as well. So this is not a... Well, this is only for this type of... No, 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 This is for everybody to remember and to see and to acknowledge that what came out of the ground is a result of God's blessing on us. And we wave it back before Him. So if you want to offer a sacrifice of wave, there's precedence for that. So should I say that we can do the wave in church and that's like a biblical thing? That's probably a stretch, probably a stretch, but it's the waves in there. You know
1: what would happen during uh, uh, famines when there wasn't a lot of stuff to wave?
0: Well, if there wasn't a lot of stuff to wave, then uh, generally the... the um, uh, well, no matter what came up first, that was what was offered, for one. So that's always the first fruits. But two, if you were too poor or there wasn't something to actually that you could accommodate the specific that was given, there are other parts of the law that describe if you don't have enough money for this, then you offer this. And if you don't have enough money for this, then you offer this. And if you don't have money for this, then it's like anybody can go find this thing. So there was always a step-down plan for making your offering. There was... There was not a, yeah, you're good. Don't worry about it. It was always a circle back and remember and go do the thing. So, good question, though. Yes. Jim, sometimes at the temple there were people that had, like the sheep
1: and goats, where yes. you could go and buy one of
0: theirs. And Absolutely. Yes. There's a whole temple um, marketplace. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, industry of selling and reselling offerings. And one of the things that Jesus got really aggravated about in the New Testament was the markup associated with these things. So they would say, well, I'm a traveler. I'm traveling into the city to go offer my offering, but I I couldn't keep my offering in the state or the the status that it was supposed to be in when it was offered, so I'm going to buy something when I get to the temple. Well, when I get to the temple, they don't take my money. I have, to, I have to exchange my money into the temple money. And then after I've got paid that markup, then the price for the thing that I'm actually going to buy is twice as much as it was at home. So I've paid the temple markup, and I've paid the increase in the actual goods, and you're literally fleecing the people of Israel. And Jesus was, you see what I did there? Uh, <clears throat> Jesus was very, very aggravated at that. So much so that he went in and literally cleaned house. And said, "You guys are getting out. This is not appropriate." So again, all that stuff that was bundled up, they got added on. He's just he's just knocking it down. But we'll talk a lot about that next week. All right. So what's the next one up? The next one up is Pentecost. So this is verses fifteen through twenty-two. Fifteen through twenty-two. Who's got it? Stacy, you got it. Yep. Yeah.
1: Sabbath, the day you bring the bundle of grain to be lifted up as a special offering, count off seven full weeks. Keep counting until the day after the seventh Sabbath, 50 days later. Then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. From wherever you live, bring two loaves of bread to be lifted up before the Lord as a special offering. Make these loaves from four quarts of choice flour and bake them with yeast. They will be an offering to the Lord from the first of your crop. Along with the bread, present seven one-year-old male lambs with no defects, one young bull, and two rams as burnt offerings to the Lord. These burnt offerings together with the grain offerings and liquid offerings will be a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Then you must offer one male goat as a sin offering and two one-year-old male lambs as a peace offering.
0: Y'all keeping track?
1: Because
0: this was all delivered orally the first time? (laughs)
1: Like,
0: Like the whole chapter... Here's your directions for the whole year on the days with the details and the specifics and the counts and the this. Like, yeah, I hope somebody's writing this down, right? So aren't you glad they wrote this down? Can you imagine trying to just remember all this? This would be challenging. I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: The priest will lift up the two lambs as a special offering to the Lord, together with the loaves representing the first of your cross. These offerings which are holy to the Lord belong to the priest. That same day will be proclaimed an official day of holy assembly, a day on which you do no ordinary work. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed from generation to generation wherever you live. When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields, and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. Leave it for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God.
0: So Darla, if you were poor, there's the help, right? And if you weren't poor, you kept the poor in mind. Always. Every time you harvested, you don't get the corners. You're round. This is God's rounding. You just round it off. And the corners are for the poor. Now, do you... I'm going to get in trouble here. Do you harvest it and then package it up and deliver it to the poor? No. no. You leave it for work. Because everybody is to actively participate in the working process. Because a sacrifice that costs you nothing means nothing. That's the way this works. So it's a beautiful, beautiful system because everybody works. Okay, cool. Now, so what does Pentecost mean? It's a real fancy word. You know what it means? It means 50th day. That's what it means. Just a math term. So 50 days after. So if you're looking at your calendar on the other side, 50 days after puts you at Savon the 6th. So we're, we're marching around the calendar. We're still in the first quarter, though. Still in the first quarter. Now, it's not mentioned in Leviticus 23, but, but Pentecost is actually a remembrance of something really important that happened in the Old Testament. You all know what it was? What's that? Anybody know? It's the giving of the law. The giving of the law. The t- when, when God gave Moses the words to write on the, the stone tablets... Pentecost is a remembrance of that as well. Now, there were, were there a lot of offerings to be given on Pentecost? Yes, a whole lot of offerings to be given on Pentecost. Tremendous volume of work that was done by the priesthood. And I don't know if you caught it or not, but at the end of verse 20, uh, God talks about the two lambs there for the priest. You ever wondered how the priest ate? God told them to use some of the offerings for themselves, that this is what you eat off of. Well, good. That's fantastic because they need to eat as well. Their job was not to go out into the field and harvest the grain, their job was to process the offerings and make sure that the, the whole system was done according to the way that God said it was to be done. All right, so the next one is trumpets. So we get to 23, 24, and 25. Verse 23, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, so now we're in the third quarter of the year, on the first day of the month, so what month is the seventh month? Tishri, Tishri, that's right. On the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of, of trumpets. And I don't think about rest as blowing trumpets. I think about interrupting sleep and blowing trumpets, right? But this is a rest, a memorial blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it, and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. Now, look at your calendar for a second. Where does Tishri I fall on our calendar? Tishri I. Mid-September. Are you still working in mid-September if you are a farmer? Yeah, Absolutely. There's a lot of work to be done in mid-September as a farmer, actually, depending on the different crops that you've planted and where things are coming in. So people are in the fields. A lot of the commentaries talk about that the trumpets were actually a way, if it was the middle of the week, to get everybody's attention and say, Stop, stop, stop. Come in and worship. Come in and worship. There's a gathering. There's a collection. There's an aggregation of people that is going to occur at the blowing of the trumpet. Huh. That has no New Testament significance whatsoever, does it? Okay. We will talk about this next week as well. Now, Tishri I begins what the Jews call the High Holidays, H-I-G-H, the High Holidays. Uh, The best commentary I heard on this is that this has nothing to do with marijuana. (laughs) I thought that was fantastic. I'd never heard that joke before. But it has nothing to do with marijuana. These are the ten days of remembrance and celebration uh, and preparation, really, So of what's going on. So the, uh, the trumpets was, was celebrating the, the first day of the high holidays. And then we move into the Day of Atonement, verse 26. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also, the tenth day of this seventh month... So what month are we in? We're still in history. The tenth day shall be the Day of Atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. And you shall... My translation says afflict. What's your, what's your translation say? Humble. humble. Yeah, that's your blank. Afflict means to occupy, to bow down, or to humble. You shall humble your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. And you shall do no work on that same day, for it is the day of atonement. To make atonement for you, and what's atonement? You guys remember? Break the word down, the atonement, The bringing us into right relationship with God. So this is the, the process where they did this relationship mending. To make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For any person who is not afflicted in soul on that same day shall be cut off from his people. That's the problem, right? Because the community was everything. You could not fulfill the law outside of community. It did not work that way. This was huge and any person who does not work on that same who does any work on that same day that person i will destroy from among his people well that doesn't sound good either right this is the you know getting shot in the head for uh, speeding again so you shall do no manner of work it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings it shall be to you a sabbath of solemn rest and you shall afflict or humble your souls on the ninth month on the ninth day of the month at evening from evening to evening you shall celebrate your Sabbath. So this was the Day of Atonement. I've talked about what happened on the Day of Atonement a lot. The high priest goes in the Holy of Holies, and he he offers up a sacrifice for the people, and if he does it wrong, then he dies. And the backup high priest goes in, and he prays that he was taught properly by the guy who just died. And it can be a real stressful situation for the guy. So I don't, you know, that could be rough. So then when that's finished, we move into the tabernacles in verses 33 through 44 says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month. So what month are we still in? We're still in Tishri. <clears throat> shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days to the Lord. So this is a week long. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. For seven days you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is a sacred assembly, and you shall do no customary work on it. These are the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, to offer an offering made by fire to the Lord, a burnt offering and a grain offering, a sacrifice and drink offerings, everything on its day, besides the Sabbaths of the Lord, besides your gifts, besides all your vows, and besides all your freewill offerings which you give to the Lord. Also on the 15th day of the 7th month, when you've gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. On the first day there shall be a Sabbath rest. And on the eighth day a Sabbath rest. And you shall take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of the beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, the boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. You shall keep it as a feast of the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generation. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. And you shall dwell in... What's it say? Booths. Huh. I didn't see booths coming, right? There's booths. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths. When I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. So Moses declared to the children of Israel the feasts of the Lord. So when they were liberated out of Egypt, where did they go to? They went to the desert. Yay, in the wilderness. There's not a lot of good stuff to build. Not a lot of good building material in the wilderness, right? So what did they do? They built these little huts, and they were kind of shacks or lean-tos. So every single year you were to build one and to live in it for seven days to remember how God provided in the past. It's always moving forward and looking backward, moving forward and looking backward, moving forward and looking backward. So tabernacles, like most Jewish holidays, look back to a prior event they look back to a prior event. All right, so they say, all right Jim, we've looked at all of Leviticus chapter 23. Awesome stuff. So what's the point? All right, a couple things. Number one, God wants His people to remember. Did you get the, did that come through today a little bit? that we are looking back we are remembering God's goodness and what He has done in the past. So what do I do with that? Well rest, feast and remember. Celebrate the rhythm. The rhythm is a good thing. God built our calendar. He built the seasons coming back and happening every single year, just like they do, for us to remember, for Him to communicate great and wonderful things like, oh, say the birth of His Son, to us on a regular basis. Number two, God always had a plan. He always had a plan. He never got off schedule. So pay attention. Pay attention to what comes next. Pay attention to what came before, what's happening right now. And next week, we'll look at how Jesus fits in. And then number three, God is telling a story. So learn how to tell his story. It's a fun story. It's the greatest story ever told. So next week, we're going to look at how all these holidays fit together into telling the biggest story the world's ever known, the story of the Lord Jesus Christ. It just so happens to coincide with some Christmas stuff, so you may learn a few things about that. So thank you for coming to Sunday school today. Hope this was helpful in your understanding of the Old Testament. Lean in, engage, and pray as a table. Oh, no, it tonight? Well, then leave your chairs alone. No customary work today then. How's that? <laughs> Thanks, guys.